Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. In this whole series, we've been talking a lot about faith and that scripture where, you know, without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God, but really when we're not living and walking in faith, sometimes we feel like we, we actually don't even experience the presence of God. We don't experience God moving. So as we wind down this sold-out summer series, have you been enjoying this series? Kind of, we could call it some character studies, right? But we've been studying some heroes of the faith, the Hall of Fame heroes of Hebrews chapter 11. So let's briefly read through some of this, this scripture because this guy, he's one of the most well-known heroes in the entire Bible, although he's not mentioned so much in detail in Hebrews chapter 11. We know a lot about David, don't we? So let's read it, verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11. Would you follow along with me? And what more shall I say? We spoke about this last week. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and about David and Samuel, and think of all the prophets. And remember that was highlighted from last week, that the author is almost exasperated. Like, what else do you need to know to strengthen your faith? What else do you need to know to like just move and walk in faith? Because I've told you so much. I've, I've told you about Abraham, right? And I've told you about Sarah, and I've to told you about Noah, and I've, I've told you about Enoch, and I've, uh, I've told you about Rahab. Right, we can think of all these heroes of the faith that we have been speaking about. Well, today, I hope we are encouraged um, about David. Uh, today's message is, is we're going to be talking about giants. We're going to be talking about opposition. We're going to be talking about a man that David went face to face with. But let's finish verse 33. Through faith, all these people, they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice and they gained what was promised. How many of us um, have heard the story of David and Goliath? I mean, even in, the, right, that's it? Some of us are just like, I don't feel like participating today, right? <laughs> you know, even in the, in the sec, like you hear it in, you know, sports announcers will say, well, this is a David and Goliath matchup. It, 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 throughout culture, the story of David and Goliath is well known. And so as we get into this today, it's always a, a fun topic to preach on something that a lot of us, you know, we already know a lot about, but I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit still wants to speak truth and he wants to speak something new and he wants to challenge and he wants to search and inspect different areas of our heart. And so even though we've heard this story, here, here's our pray, this, this prayer, this story of, of David confronting the giant Right? And maybe you've heard it since you were a kid. We've, I mean, I remember being in Sunday school with a lady named Paula Tibazar, and we had this big like, project that we worked on with David and Goliath. And uh, my, my goodness, so it's a, a story since I was a kid. But even reading a little bit this week, I was reminded of some things that I feel like just felt so new, the Holy Spirit just speaking. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, and let's begin in verse 4. And, and really, if, if you want to study this this week, uh, this story with Goliath, I believe, goes up through verse 50, and so there's a lot to read about. Uh, 17 verses 1 through 50 really is the, the main context of this story, but let's look at verse 4. There's a champion from Gath, the Bible says, then Goliath, a Philistine, a champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. 
He was over nine feet tall. Uh, some, some translations say he was six cubits in a span, which comes out to just uh, like higher than we want to count, right? This is one tall, tall man. Uh, it says this, he, he wore a bronze helmet in his coat. His, his armor, it weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder, a shaft on his spear. It was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. I think of, think of this story and in this moment, does anybody remember that, I mean it was like, I don't remember, it was early 2000s, um, but I remember the, the, the visuals in the scene. Do anybody remember that movie Troy with Brad Pitt? Right? Now the ladies are going to be distracted the rest of the sermon. I'm teasing. But remember that scene in the opening scene where this, these two armies are lined up and this mountain of a man comes out to challenge the king. And he comes out to challenge the other army and this guy is just intimidating. And they go and they wake up, uh, they go and grab Achilles and he comes out to the battlefield ready for battle. I think of a, a situation that looks similar to this. This massive, intimidating giant is a problem for Israel. Um, as we, we kind of look at verse, my goodness, look at verse 6. Would you, would you look at that? It says he's massive. He, he, he's six cubits in a span. He, he, he's like nine feet, six inches tall. And this is not like, anybody remembers Manute Bowl? This is not like Manute Bowl tall. Anybody remember that in basketball? While it was amazing that he played in the NBA and stuff, he was a pretty skinny guy, right? Goliath, it says, that the very tip of his spear, did you catch that? It weighed like 15 pounds, right? He, he was massive. He was, he was, I think of a guy more like, built more like Shaquille O'Neal than Manute Bull, except like two feet taller than Shaq Daddy. So there we go. This problem has a name. His, his name is Goliath, and he's massive. He's huge. He is intimidating. Verse 8, would you read it with me? Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all even coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. He says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. This, no doubt, is a, a verse, a story that we have heard. But, you know, I want to I kind of talk about something and um, just maybe a simple reminder. You know, giants, this might sound silly, but giants can loom large in our life, but they don't necessarily take the physical shape of this nine-foot-six mountain of a man, Goliath, do they? A giant can be anything that... That, uh, uh, that dominates our thoughts. Uh, a giant can be anything that is, is huge in our life. It can be, um, it could be an action, it could be a verb, it could be a person, it could be a place, it could be a, th- it could be a mindset, it could be a, a thing. It, it's, it's something, would you agree that Goliath, he would cast this shadow, he, he loomed large over the Israelite army. A giant is anything in our life today that looms large, that dominates, dominates our day, dominates our day. You know something is a giant. Would you look at verse 11? Let's go back real quick. 
I believe we read verse 11, or we haven't gotten to it. Have we gotten to it yet? So I'm still, my coffee hasn't kicked in. Verse 11, you know something's a giant, look what it does to the Israelites. It controls their day, it controls their thoughts. You know something is a giant when it has control over your emotions. Uh, Verse 11, here it is, this is the emotions of the Israelites on full display. When Saul, who is the king by the way, right, and and, and the Bible does say that, that Saul was a tall man that Saul looked the part, that Saul was known as a warrior, that he was a strong, right? And so in essence, it starts off with the leader. It says when Saul, the leader, and all of his men, all of his army, when Saul and his Israelites heard this, the Bible says they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. They were terrified. So they like think of this, even the men, am I reading too much into this here? Even the men see their commanding officer, they see their king terrified and deeply shaken, right? This giant Goliath, he intimidates them, he controls their emotions, they feel powerless to stand up against him, to step up against him, he won't go away. Um, Saul, the leader, has no confidence. No wonder his army has no confidence. It dominates their thoughts and their day. Let's, look at, let's skip ahead to verse 15. But David went back and forth, and I was speaking with my dad just briefly even before church started today. You know what's interesting is, is David wasn't enlisted, folks, right? David didn't join the army. He didn't even show up with proper weaponry. David was the mailman. David was the Cisco food truck driver. David was taking supplies, food, right? He was taking items to his brothers, to his family. He was supplying the military with goods. It says this, look at this. It says, David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. And we know he was, he was bringing things to the army, to his family. But then look at verse 16. Forty days, every morning, and every evening. This was not a one-time occurrence this champion would come out every morning and every night for 40 days is what the bible says 40 days and then it says this in the new living translation it says the philistine champion strutted he strutted in front of the israel army all right this isn't like nanny nan like kids this is like he is he is punking them day after day he's calling them cowards day after day and he knows like this this battle is already won because nobody shows up to fight him Goliath showed up the Bible says every morning would you like think about that every morning and every evening so he, he makes sure the first thing they think about when they awake from their battle from their camp first thing they're gonna think about is me and then he doesn't just leave it there right This guy is good. This guy is good. He's playing mental games too because he says, you know what, before you even go to sleep, I'm not going to let you go 24 hours without hearing from me. He says, before you go to sleep, I'm going to go out. It says every evening he would come back out and make sure that they, this, he'd make sure they're going to talk about me around the fire tonight. Does anybody want to step up to this guy? Nope. Nope. Do you want to fight him? Nope. Every day he would come and dominate the Israelite army and challenged them for 40 days. He just kept coming, right? Think about that, right? And I think there's some significance to this day 
after day, he just kept coming. And the repetition, I think sometimes in scripture, when we see repetition, spiritually we need to kind of be aware of that when we're reading God's word, right? And as we talk about Goliath, as we talk about today's message, taking out a giant, taking down giants, you know something is a giant in your life if it challenges you the moment you wake up. But here we go, think about it. But it dominates your day so much so that it challenges you even before bedtime. Like something is a spiritual giant in your life, the only time they could get away from this Goliath is when they went unconscious. Think about that, right? He made sure, he was smart. Mental mind games, right? The only time I'm gonna make sure this army isn't thinking about me is when they're sleeping. That's, that's amazing to me. Every morning and every night he'd come out and shout at them. Wow. Because in the morning, that Goliath would show up, and then I think it's interesting, every night he would show up and remind them who's boss. I'm the man here. I'm the man up in this place, right? I think of Denzel Washington in that movie Training Day when he was like, I'm the man here, right? Nobody's going to challenge me. But here we go as we talk about giants, and maybe this is a, a different kind of spin on this story. As I said earlier, giants aren't always nine foot, six inches tall, ready to take you out, but there can be a financial giant we're facing. There can be a, a marital, marital giant, a relationship, and a, there's addiction giants. There's uh, emotional giants. There's self-worth giants. There's mother, you know, the past relational giants with our parents. Whatever it is, there's family giants. There's family loss. There's, there's things. There's just stuff, and whatever the giant, here's the common theme of Goliath that I see. Look at that. Would you, uh, for 40 days... Every morning and every evening, right? From dawn till dusk, that giant would keep showing up and his mission was simple, to dominate their day, to dominate their thoughts, to dominate their mindset on the battlefield, to keep them, just to keep them where they're at, at bay. Now, remember, this is the, a few generations have passed. Folks, this is the same army who heard about their grand, great-great-grandparents conquering Jericho. Like this is the same group of people and now all of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, our God took down the walls of Jericho and we're worried about a nine foot giant, right? What on earth? Interesting. As we continue, would you look at verse 24? David, as I said, is, is he's just the Cisco driver. He's driving back and forth, delivering supplies, keeping in touch with his older brothers that are in essence, they're kind of just stranded on the battlefield. They're waiting for something to happen. The Bible talks about in this valley, each, each army was set up on the side of a valley, and so uh, just from military tactics alone, right, nobody wanted to sacrifice the high ground. Nobody wanted to fight uphill and go attack. And so these two armies are at a, a standoff, and David, you know what's interesting? I love this. David isn't the king in this story, right? He's small. He's young, no doubt he's like ruddy. He's handsome, but he's not totally, like he doesn't have that, that man strength yet. And he's so young, and yet this whole nation is being challenged by this giant day after day. And what's interesting to me is David's the only one who thinks differently about what he sees. Um, his perspective is different from Saul. His perspective is different than the, the army full of grown men. 
that are stronger than him, probably maybe better fighters than him. He doesn't view this problem through the same lens as the adults. How many of us love that about young people sometimes, right? There's this, I was talking to a pastor this week, we had coffee, and I said, I have so much respect for church planners. I said, because, I said, part of me feels like I would never do that because I've seen so much of it. And he joked because he goes, man, if I would have known what church planning, what, what all of it entailed, I think I was just young and young and I had so much faith. I was like young and dumb, right? And I just went for it, right? And so sometimes the faith in our youth is so much greater and it's so much, it, it's childlike and it's simple. Let's read about David. Here we go. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, this is Goliath, verse 24, they ran away in fright. 25, have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. And here we go, we start talking money. The, the king is offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. Uh, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And I love this part because this is a massive reward. And, you know, it just shows you never in the history of mankind has a culture ever enjoyed paying taxes. Right? Read the rest of that verse. And the man's, not just that man and, and his bride, it says your entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. I love how scripture throws that in there, right? Some of us are like, man, I can't believe nobody would step up right there and then. Uh, but anyways, this is kind of, it's kind of funny. But David is listening to this conversation and King Saul offers this massive reward. He basically says, you're going to be a part of the court, part of the royal family. You know, if somebody takes care of this problem for me, uh, then, and it, you know, and, and in reality, here, here's what's the reality of this story. We could go back and maybe come back and revisit this. The very man that's offering his daughter, that's offering tax-free lifestyle, this is the very man who should have been leading his men from the front, Right? Saul should have been leading by example. Saul should not have been sitting there terrified of anything. Even if he wasn't going to fight, part of me goes, man, you could at least be encouraging someone. Don't sit there all terrified like you're just being punked day after day. Like, encourage your men. But in reality, maybe the years of being king, something in Saul, right? He takes a back seat as a leader and he allows Goliath to embarrass them day after day. And I just, I love that story about taxes for some reason, right? Verse 26, David asked the soldiers, here he goes, he starts to hear, what, he asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending the, his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Um, can we spend some time looking at the very end of that verse? Because you know what's interesting is David doesn't ask about his size. He doesn't ask what his fight record is. Obviously, Goliath is undefeated because he's still here to fight. He doesn't ask anything about the champion. He doesn't ask how tall he is. He doesn't comment on his battle experience. He doesn't comment on anything in the physical. But here's what I want you to look at. This is what David says. He, he, he says... Multiple times, and again, this is where it's like repetition in Scripture, repetition in Scripture, repetition in life. Like if we hear our boss saying things multiple times at work, chances are they're emphasizing something, right? Well, when we read Scripture, the same thing is true. This is what David says in my translation. He says, who is this pagan? 
some translations, most in the NIV, I believe it says he actually gets a little personal here. But if you know about God's covenant relationship and what it meant for the nation of Israel, when the men were circumcised, it was an outward symbol that they were in covenant relationship with God. Right? And so in the New NIV translation, David actually says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I, I, in mine, it says, who is this pagan? He's pointing something out. He's saying, this guy is not covered. This guy isn't committed. He is not in covenant relationship with the living God. He makes no comment about anything else with Goliath physically, except the one physical trait that identifies where Goliath is at spiritually. I find that very interesting. David, and sometimes I think, man, think about this. Do you remember, and this is like three weeks ago, and I say his great, great, great grandma, do you remember who his great, great, great grandma is? His grandma is Rahab. And this kind of reminds me of when Rahab comes and she, she says more than just, I want you guys to show me kindness, right? In the, trans, in the Greek, it, what the word she used was, I want the covering. I want the relationship. I want the covenant. I don't want to be treated as an outsider, but I want all of it. I want to be totally blessed if I commit to Israel. That is his great, great, great grandmother speaking. And I think something along the line, something in that DNA, something in that faith meeting our, our feet, something got passed down to David, and he says, who is this? uncircumcised man who is this pagan who is this guy that isn't walking with our God that's making fun of us that's threatening us he says he's not in covenant with God and then I, I love this because he's man is he like a teenager here folks right he says why is this guy even allowed to speak this way why wouldn't we he, he, why is he defying the armies of the living God we should kill him like we would kill anyone else who talks about our God this way I mean, he's like that blunt about it. Why is he standing against the armies of the living God, and why are we allowing him to do so? See, David's perspective, it's like this kid shows up, and yet he's the only one in the whole camp that has a spiritual perspective that isn't blocked by the physical. David sees something that no one else sees. He doesn't, he, he doesn't say he's so special because he's so big. Look at this. When we talk about repetition, would you jump ahead to verse 36? Again, this is like the root of the issue. David's talking to Saul, and he says, I have done this to both the lions and the bears. He says, I've killed them. I've hunted them down and I've killed them. He says, I will take out this pagan Philistine too. He repeats himself. He's talking to King Saul here, and he says, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Number one, would you write this down in your notes today? When we have spiritual giants in our life, taking down those spiritual giants, it starts from a, a spiritual perspective, not a physical perspective. So often in life, we want to treat the physical. We want to treat the symptoms, but we don't want to treat the internal problem, right? But taking down giants, it starts with a spiritual perspective. Um, everybody there is getting punked by this nine foot six giant talking smack. No doubt. I mean, this is, folks, any military men in the house? I'm sure the language on the battlefield was not pure, was not clean, right? 
right? We know that, right? I've seen, I, I never served in the military, but I know some people who have, and I've seen enough movies where I, I, I've seen the way, our, so, you know, people tend to talk when they're, when they're, when they're in battle, right? I'm sure Goliath was just talking smack. He's a seasoned warrior. He's a killer. He's a champion. But David saw a man that wasn't in covenant with God. David didn't see any of that. He saw a man that wasn't covered by God. I think he remembered that story. He probably remembered, you know what, man, if, if, if my great-great-great-grandma Right? If she was a part of that group, like this is the same army that took those walls down. Our God took down the walls, and we took out Jericho. And that, that's, like, that's how covered we are. Why is nobody remembering this? And my grandma is famous. She became a famous lady of, of the court, whatever you want to say, right? But David looked at that giant who, just like those people of Jericho, he looked at it and said, man, if you defy the armies of the living God, if you don't get on God's side, we're in a season where we're rolling. God's just going to take you out. He's going to take you out for us. Who is this pagan Philistine is the question David asked. He pretty much ignored the physical problem. Right? The rest of the army was super worried why the rest of the army was thinking of who? Like, what were, what were those folks thinking of that didn't step up to the plate? The, re- the reality is very simple. They were thinking of their own well-being. They were thinking of themselves. They were thinking of their, their, their lives, right? They're, they're worried about themselves. And, you know, I think sometimes these guys get a bad rap for sitting on the sidelines. But I think in our culture today, and whether it's to do with our country, whether it's to do with money, whether it's to do with what we would say is blessing or time on our hands or communication or apps or technology or, or whatever it is, I would say, and this is not a shot at any one generation, I would say if we are breathing oxygen in this room today or if we're watching online, I would say all of us here are a part of probably one of the most self-absorbed generations that has ever existed. I mean, all of us, this is, not a, this is not a shot at a, like, right? This is a, a like, uh, oh my goodness, right? We, 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 we just love, like, the, the phone just gets turned around at what we're doing, whatever it is, all this information, the tech, the things, right? Some of them, it's a, it's a blessing, but at the same time, we just love to look at ourselves a lot. We love to look at ourselves, and again, this is not like a, a shot at the young folks, because, like, I think there's more people my age and older that are on Facebook, young people, that's a good time to say amen. You guys all left Facebook like five years ago, right? Yeah, they moved on to like TikTok, and I don't even think they like Instagram. They moved on to like be real, be true, whatever those, there's all these new things, right? It's all of us that are still on Facebook, right? It's interesting. They all, they all left it years ago. They're like, we're done with that, and we're done with it. But we love seeing our own situation. Think of David. Think of this story of Goliath. And, and you know what? I think what happens, David was the only one that showed up, and David saw what God saw. But the problem with us is if we only see what we see, oh my goodness, we're never going to see what God wants us to see. And if you have a, a giant in your life, um, what did we say earlier? A, a circumstance something that you've just been praying about and praying about. If you have something that like from dawn till dusk, it dominates your day. If you have a giant in your life, 
I believe, like, as I was reading this scripture, I'm, I'm sitting here going, I think it's time to start looking for something else. Stop looking at the giant and think about what is the spiritual connection to that giant. Number two, would you write this down? This is what Goliath did. He, he rendered everyone basically paralyzed on the battlefield. A giant produces emotional instability that will not leave you alone. It will not leave you alone. There's a lady in our church, I remember I spoke to her one time on the phone or in person, and she said it to me a couple times, but she said something like this. I don't remember exactly, but she said, be careful of the story you are telling yourself, Joey. I remember that. I was like, and you know the reality is, church, we lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone else. Think about that for a moment. We lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone else. We need to stop seeing what we see and recognize the story that we are telling ourselves. It might be a giant that we are coming up against. The story that we are telling ourselves, it might just be a giant that we are facing over and over. And actually, in, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians says it like this. Chapter 4, it says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, the Bible says, will last forever. And so I, I think about this army was overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed by Goliath. What's your Goliath? Are you overwhelmed? Is there something ruining your day? And I think what I love about this innocent kid David showing up is for some reason the last thing he thought about was himself. He just said, man, this guy is defying God. He, he, he saw what God saw. He, he, he said, man, I, it, it, this isn't about any of us here. This guy is insulting our God. First Samuel, let's get back into the story, and we're going to jump ahead. Verse um, 41, verse 41. So now it's go time. And if you know the story, David had grabbed five stones. I love Saul because it kind of feels brief. Saul's like... You're going to fight him? Okay, go, and, and may God be with you, right? If you think about Saul, like when you go read these verses, the king of Israel kind of cracks me up a little bit here. Like he, he kind of like protests, like you're too young to fight. Okay, well, we got somebody to step up. Go for it, kid, right? Right? It's kind of that vibe, right? He kind of throws out one little thing like, oh, we can't send a king to fight a, a kid to fight a champion. And then, then he probably thought about it, and they're like, let's just get it over with. Send him, right? So David goes, and we know he takes... He, he didn't even take normal weapons with him. He didn't even take the normal weaponry of the day. After all, the armor of the king, none of it fit him. It, wasn't, it didn't fit right. It was just going to bog him down. So he takes his sling. He takes five smooth stones. And I love even his cockiness and his youthful confidence. Because one thing I think we've, we don't realize is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Bible, we know that history tells us Goliath had four brothers. And so I think it's extra, he, he didn't, I think it's cool, he didn't even take extra ammunition. I mean, some say like, he took a stone for each brother, that's how deadly he was going to be, right? So here we go, it's time to fight. Goliath starts talking trash, look at verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, and now he's sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Look at this, you send out a boy to fight me. I've made a living off killing men. And you, Israel, this is what you do. You send me a boy. Verse 43. Am I a dog? He roared at David. I love this scripture. That you come at me with a stick. Right? And he cursed David. But would you underline this? This is kind of what I, I pull from this. 
look at the very end of this because this is what I think needs to happen more when we face spiritual giants. We need to understand the spiritual. Now, it's okay for people, like, I think it's interesting, like, any dads in the house, like, you're just kind of built in a way where it's okay that you insulted me. Or moms in the house, it's okay that you talk smack about me. But the moment someone talks about your wife, or moms, if someone talks about your kids, how many of you know that's where, like, mama bear comes to play? Right? Amen, right? Or dads, like, when someone, it's like, you can talk smack about the dad, but, man, you mess with my wife, now it's like it's game time, right? And I think about this, like I love this passage because it's kind of like he directs his shots at David a bit. You, you're a boy, what am I, am I a dog that you're gonna come like, you know, go, go fetch little kid. But then he does this and look what he does. He gets his gods involved. Goliath, who is pagan, gets, can we say it like this? He's, he kind of jumps into a spiritual battle. Goliath makes the mistake of going spiritual with it, and I bet you David's like, I've got him right where I want him now. Because now you just brought my God into the talk, right? Now I'm gonna like force my God to do something about this. Look at this. He says, he roared at him. You come at me with a stick. He cursed David by the names of his gods. Now you got dad involved in this, right? Verse 44, come over here. I'm gonna give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals Goliath yelled so here we go it's fight night it is fight time in the UFC right let's get ready to rumble but Goliath begins to mock God Goliath begins to challenge God I love this is the most spiritual comment I'll make all day you ready for it I love football it's coming. Now we're going to get all the football examples, right? But you know, I had, I, somebody gave me free tickets Friday night to go see Raiders Stadium, and I'd never been there. And my goodness, that white, what an experience, right? And, and it was so cool, and it was just preseason. The game didn't even count. The fans were kind of coasting. It's nothing to cheer about when Derek Carr, our amazing preacher of a quarterback, isn't on the field, right? But um, we went to this preseason game, and as much as I love football, um, we could say it like this, there's a lot that I don't understand. I played it, but I remember like, I remember getting to the line sometimes and I'd ask the right guard, I'd be like, what, what, what play are we running again? We're on two, right? I remember being like, but you know, as much as football, um, there's a lot of genius that goes into the game. When you have coaches like Bill Belichick on the sidelines, there's a lot of scheming that goes on. There's a lot of adjustments at halftime that they make. There's a lot of things that like to the casual fan like me, I remember watching football time with one time with a Hall of Fame coach, and I remember thinking, this man is watching a different game. He sees everything going on. He sees the play. He saw it all before I saw it. I didn't even see what he was talking about. But there still is something simple and elementary about football. And here's like one of the most simple things that I, that I love. As much as there's so much scheming and genius that goes into the game, you still have to tackle the guy with the ball. That, you know, at the end of the day, that is like, it comes down to you have to make a play. You have to tackle the guy with the ball. And what I love about this story is the minute this happens, would you look at verse, would you look at verse, the end of verse 43? I think it kind of comes down to this, right? This is this idea, and you're like, how does foot, all right, football and David, right? But at the end of the day with football, no matter how well a play is, is drawn up, most plays begin that the ball goes into the quarterback's hands. 
And what happens? The pursuit goes that direction, right? Now, different guys have assignments, but the reality is this. The moment that that quarterback hands the ball to the running back or makes a pass to the wide receiver, whatever it is, the moment that happens, that quarterback is now pretty much off the hook because that problem now belongs to someone else. That pursuit goes to someone else. And I think this is a perfect example in verse 43 where Goliath decides to get his little g-gods involved against the God of Israel. And David's attitude, I think, is simply that as a football player that just says, oh, I got you right where I want you because now I'm handing the ball to the big guy. And that's it. I'm going to be like, I don't have to do much more than that. Number three, would you write this down? How can we realign ourselves or reposition ourselves under God's covenant today? As we close, would you come and play us out, Tanner? But how can we realign ourselves under God's covenant today? Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of the heavenly armies, the God of the armies of Israel. And then he says this, who you, sir, you have defiled, right? You have defied them. You have defied the God of Israel. Today, he says this, the Lord, he gives him the title. He's, he's here for battle. The Lord will conquer you. He says, I'll have nothing to do with it. Today, the Lord will conquer you. And then I love what he says. And I'm going to kill you. Again, I love the Old Testament, right? You laugh. I love the Old I'm going to kill you. Then he gets even more. You guys are like, oh my gosh, what are they preaching at this church? It's in the Bible, folks. He says, not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to take your weapon. I'm going to put you down with my sling, right? But I'm going to take your sword and I'm going to cut off your head. It gets graphic. This is cool stuff. And he says, and I will give the dead bodies of you, your men, to the birds, to the wild animals. The whole world will know of our God in Israel. Because I think it's been three generations since Jericho. You need a little reminder, pal, about our God. You need a little bit reminder in this generation what he's capable of. It's not going to be me that conquers you, but he's going to take you out, and I'm going to finish you off. 47, and if everyone here assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword or a spear, because David refused to put him down with that. He says, but this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. I had a problem. I was, I was um, messing around in the garage one day, and I pulled out a broom, and I didn't notice that I hit something towards the track of our garage door opener, but I, I, or our garage, uh, where the garage door slides. You ever done that? But I noticed um, I couldn't get our garage door to go down. And so I'm like thinking of pulling the left, like how do I get the garage door down so we can at least just make our house safe for the night? And then I remember I had this idea, I'm all, I think I may have messed with the two lasers that are like the safety things that allow the garage door to move. Has anyone done that? where you have like a box on the right side of your garage, you have a box on the left side of your garage, and what needs to happen for those two things, for the garage door to shut, that has to what? Line up, right? The lasers have to be aligning, they have to be touching, there has to be a clear signal, and what's interesting is like, it took me like a while to put this together. How many of us are a little slow? Excuse my friend, he's a little slow, right? But I remember, I was like sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't get, like what are we gonna, we're going to sleep with the garage open tonight, right? Better lock the doors, lock the car, take whatever you want out of the garage, right? 
But the reality is, did that power that was available from the house, did that electricity cease to exist? No, it was like readily available, available and, and it could be accessed. But this simple thing where like these two little parts were out of alignment, and oftentimes we get like that with God, like his power is accessible and it's ready to be used. It never left the building, but we are so far out of alignment with our God. We are so far out of focus with our God that we don't access the power that's just waiting and ready like David did. And when we think, man, there's, God, there's a situation I can't fix. God, there's a situation. David's like, God, there's a situation I'm gonna hand off to you, right? Nobody thinks I should win this thing anyway. So that God, this is gonna make you look really good if a boy takes down a giant. And what's, who's gonna get the glory? It says, everybody will know about the God in Israel that takes out the giant that I'm facing. But when we talk about giants in our life today, you know, I'm reminded, remember the story of, of Moses, when we're living under God's covering, when we're living under God's covenant. Remember the story of Rahab. But I love that story of Moses when God said, Moses, tell the people to start moving. Remember that? Tell the people to start going. And I think that with, with David, something was in David where David was like, we've been sitting here on defense. We've been sitting here holding our ground long enough. It's time to get on offense. David's like, it's time to go and get in this battle. And look what David said. You come at me, read this with me, with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord of what? The Lord of heaven's armies is the label he gives him. And I love that David, David was young when God used him. We know the story, but this is one of those first moments. But his youth didn't matter, his size didn't matter, his, his, how much facial hair he had, how much muscles he had, none of it mattered when he went up against the giant in his life before him. But David understood the God that was fighting for him. Right? David understood the God that held him in his hands. And the truth was that, that David knew the giant, I think he approached this like this. Everybody thinks, I have no chance. They have no clue what's going on here. David had this, he, he, he saw what God saw. He refused to see what everyone else saw. He saw from God's perspective that it was actually Goliath defying God that had no chance against him. He had no chance against heaven's armies, which is pretty amazing when we think about it. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. God, we come to you today. We thank you for this time in your word with a familiar story, and yet one of the greatest heroes in scripture. God, thank you for the story of this young man, David. He understood the power of the living God. Thank you for this moment, Lord, where he, where he honored you and he was unfazed by the size of the problem he saw with his physical eyes, but thank you that he was able to identify the problem in the spiritual. Thank you that David didn't see what everyone else saw. David recognized that his enemy wasn't set apart, that he wasn't covered by you. Thank you that, God, you are committed and, and you are committed to cover your people. And David went on offense because he remembered that. Today I want to ask you, and, and you know what's interesting is, kind of we talked about, like, I love to ask people where they're at with Jesus, but I would even say this for all of us following God. You know, we can be Christians. We can obviously, like we're here, practice, we're here for a reason. We volunteer for a reason. We give for a reason. We serve for a reason. 
You know, what's interesting is we can still be a Christian and yet something is out of alignment in us, right? We can be following God, yet something is unhealthy. Some root of bitterness is, is in us. And so maybe instead of asking you today if, if you know Jesus for the first time or whatever, but I want to ask you today if you've been following God or, and you are a, a Jesus follower, Maybe we pray this, God, would you help me to see that which I don't see? Right? God, would you help me to see that which I don't see so I can see what only you see? Because if you have a giant in your life today, the only way to begin to take down that giant is to correctly identify it. It's to correctly identify it, to, to directly realize what it is, that it's not that person or a situation, that thing that has you frustrated, but it is a spiritual problem. And it's making you feel alone. It's making you lose sleep. But then, what we need to do is come back into alignment to ask God to help us conquer that giant and say, God, this... This giant, I'm a, I can't even fight it. I'm going to pass this off to you. I'm going to hand the football off to you. I want you to take over. Jesus, we, we ask you today, God, to help us face our giants, but not just face them, to take them out. God, we ask that you would help us take down that giant in our life. God, David is a reminder that we need to ask and we need to seek and we need to see what you see. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Can all God's people say amen? Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.